0: welcome to episode 17 of the jared white show recorded october 25th 2018 i am of course your host jared white and i invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web (sighs) i've had quite the week last week and into this week being sick is no fun. Yeah, I got a cold last week and you know, you get those kind of colds that it's it's inconvenient, it's not fun, but you know, you soldier on, you get the work done, you do what you need to do. And then there's those times you get a cold and it just knocks you out completely. You you wonder if you actually got the flu or something cuz it's just you have no energy, your body just kind of hurts. You don't want to do anything, you don't really want to get out of bed. You're like, how am I going to get anything done? Like My brain just feels like it's mush, total mush. Uh, So that's what I had. So so last week I got completely derailed in various content scheduling sort of things. Um, So I'm actually surprised I'm even doing a podcast today, but uh, I sort of got on track with various articles and videos and Instagram posts and different things I had planned and got to today and realized, oh, today is the day that the podcast is actually supposed to go out, and I don't have anything recorded yet, so I'm now recording this very early in the morning, so I usually don't do this, I usually record an episode and then finish editing it and publishing it the next day, Uh, but today it's all going to happen now, so uh, when you receive this, you'll be listening to it almost in real time if you are listening to it on October 25th. All that to say, I am feeling better. I am feeling pumped. Next week's going to be a big deal because Apple has their new, new event that they've announced for October 30th on Tuesday, and I'm super excited about it. All the rumors are pointing to brand new iPads, a new Macs, and who knows what else they have up their sleeve. So, so this show, uh, I'm probably going to break my every other week schedule that I <laughs> just recently announced. Uh, Because next week they're going to have the event, and then I want to talk about what was announced. So uh, I think I'll be recording an episode next week. Anyway, I won't go too much in all the rumors again. I already did that on the last episode. Um, But the big thing, of course, is new iPad Pros with edge-to-edge displays, possibly a change to USB-C rather than lightning Possibly a totally new type of connector. Uh, They may be getting rid of the the smart connector that we've all been familiar with that has never really been all that useful because nobody other than Apple and Logitech ever did anything with it. They might be coming out with something totally different that hopefully will work a lot better going forward. Uh, Rumors of new Apple Pencils. The news about Adobe Photoshop, like real Photoshop coming to iPad, is very interesting and it would be surprising if that didn't come up in some form next week as well. Anyway, I will be recording an episode all about next week, so for this week we'll do something a little bit different. First of all, just real quick, uh, one of the things I was doing in my state of illness was binge-watching The Man in the High Castle, which is on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I'd been hearing a lot about it, a lot of rumbles that it was a, a show to be reckoned with, so I finally sat down and Started digging into it and got completely sucked into this show. I mean, just to the point where I was ruminating on it, like constantly when I wasn't watching episodes, just always in the back of my mind thinking about, you know, the the characters and the story and all the what ifs. So if you're not familiar, I don't want to give too much away here, of course. So no spoilers or anything. But uh, the basic premise of the show is a what if. And this was originally a story from Philip K. Dick who, of course, is behind all kinds of cool sci-fi and various interesting stories, you know, Blade Runner and so forth. And it's a what if. What if the Axis powers won World War II? What if Nazi Germany won? What if uh, Imperial Japan won? And they basically divided up America. So Japan gets uh, the Pacific coast and sort of the the whole uh, western quadrant there and Nazi Germany gets the East Coast and a bunch of land uh, all throughout the, the eastern half of America. And so you have these two giant world powers sort of duking it out for ultimate supremacy, and America's caught in the middle. So <laughs> you can imagine the, the storytelling possibilities in a world like that are just endless. But the way they've woven together a very tight-knit group of people that all interact with each other throughout all of these different plot points throughout multiple seasons. Uh, It's really quite extraordinary. Excellent storytelling, incredible cinematography. The music is really great. I've really been enjoying that. Uh, Just everything about the show, the production values are really stellar. So this isn't just any streaming service sort of show that's, you know, maybe more popcorn flick sort of stuff, you know, you watch it, you enjoy it and you move on. No, this, this is a really, really good show. So uh, hats off to Amazon for, for hosting this and, and getting this produced. And if you haven't seen The Man in the High Castle yet, I highly recommend it. I've just started season three and I hear that everything goes completely bonkers in this season, just all sorts of stuff blown wide open. So I'm really thrilled to be getting into that. Anyway, on to the link segment. Oh, so the first item here is about macOS Mojave, a cool little utility. Um, But speaking of Mojave or Mojave, I still don't know how to say that. I think I used to say Mojave Desert, and everyone says it's actually pronounced Mojave. But then I hear people saying Mojave, and I'm like, well, that sounds better. Anyway, whatever it is, macOS Mojave Mojave uh, has this new dark mode, which is fabulous, and there's a utility that makes it even more fabulous. But before I get to that, the other crazy thing that happened last week is while I was sick, I got it in my head of, oh, you know, I, I upgraded my laptop, my MacBook Pro, and everything went fine, and Mojave seems really stable, so I'll upgrade my iMac. Yeah, I'll do that while I'm sick. I'll just sit here and watch it install, and everything will be hunky-dory. Well, guess what? No thanks to Apple, my iMac got trashed. I mean, it's just the installation completely failed. It didn't work at all. I tried over and over and over again to run the installation process, and it kept failing with all these weird cryptic errors. I tried looking through log files and reading internet forums and trying to figure out what was going on. Did various recovery-type things. Uh, Finally, out of desperation, I bought a backup drive, which I should have had already. This is really dumb that I hadn't done this already. But I went out and bought a backup drive and basically used the terminal in recovery mode to hand copy folders of files off of my iMac drive onto the backup drive. I mean, literally just the copy command on the, on the Unix command line to get files off of my computer onto a backup drive. And then I completely reformatted my iMac, wiped everything out, started with a clean slate, Installed macOS Mojave, and this time it actually worked. The install went fine. I got into a, a completely fresh, uh, new, pristine, greenfield install of macOS on my iMac. And then began the arduous process once again of copying files, this time back onto my iMac from the backup drive. And so at this point, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much back up and running. I'm recording right now on my iMac using Logic Pro, I got a bunch of plugins installed again, of course. And Anyway, that was such a huge pain. I, I'm really kind of upset that, that, that this happened. Uh, I haven't had any kind of installation problems or upgrade issues with macOS in ages. So this was really out of the blue. I don't understand what happened. But at any rate, now that I am running macOS Mojave on both computers, I really love this OS. This is my favorite OS update by far in quite a number of years i mean apple's really hit it out of the park uh the the new dark mode is fantastic there's just lots of other little niceties around uh sp- especially in the finder which i really appreciate <laughs> all my griping aside if you have a mac that can run mojave and you haven't installed it yet backup everything first make sure you have a good working backup And then uh, I recommend installing it because, you know, once you have it, once you're using it, I think you're really going to like Mojave. This is a cool release. And I hope this uh, is a big indicator of where Apple is heading with macOS. I think uh, it shows some renewed focus, some renewed strengths uh, from the Apple development team about uh, what what they think the Mac can do and what it's for. All that to say, the link here I'm actually trying to tell you about is a little utility called HazeOver. And this has been around for a while, but HazeOver really becomes relevant in macOS Mojave using dark mode. Because one of the problems of dark mode is if you have a few windows with some really bright content, like emails or web pages or some kind of thing and you have this bright window and then you switch to some foreground windows in another app or whatever that are you know mainly dark content dark interface elements having all this bright stuff sort of in the periphery around the windows it gets really distracting that's that's the main problem i i know some people have complained about you know when you're actually in your email app or you're in your web browser and you go somewhere with a really bright white background all of a sudden, it can be blinding. Uh, that doesn't really bother me. I haven't found that to be an issue for me. You know, I just accept it for what it is. Um, but having all this stuff sort of in, in the background, off in various corners, having that there, it, I find very distracting. So HazeOver is brilliant because what it does is it dims all of the windows that aren't active. So whatever you're using, whatever the foreground window is that's currently active... Uh, You can interact with that normally, but everything else dims. And you can control the the animation, the fade effect, uh, you know, for when things get dimmed. I I like a nice, slow fade. Uh, You can control how much it's dimmed. Um, So this is fantastic. And I found out about this through Jason Snell of Six Colors. So uh, check out that link in the show notes to his review of HazeOver. It's a great utility, and and I'm really, really happy because I feel like macOS OS. Mojave Dark Mode plus Haze Over equals Bliss. I'm really, really happy with it. I feel this sort of serene sensibility when I'm using my Mac now uh, that I haven't really felt before. It makes it actually feel more iOS-like in some fashion, uh, that sort of sense of, of calmness that you don't have you know, all these different sort of distracting visual elements going on, but you're just working on one thing at a time. Uh, so I really like that. Um, So that's the first link of the day. Second link of the day is a little bit more in the Apple theme here. Apple CEO Tim Cook once again talking about privacy rights and the need for privacy in the modern age. He recently spoke at the International Conference of Data Protection and Privacy Commissions in Brussels. That's a mouthful. Uh, And uh, Ars Technica has a transcription of his speech, and I'll just quote a little bit here because I think this is really vital. I think uh, Apple's clearly leading the charge here uh, in terms of big tech companies. And it's one of the things I most admire about CEO Tim Cook that he's been pushing privacy and security. Uh, So let me just read this to you. We at Apple are in full support of a comprehensive federal privacy law in the United States. There and everywhere, it should be rooted in four essential rights. First, the right to have personal data minimized. Companies should challenge themselves to de-identify customer data, or not to collect it in the first place. Second, the right to knowledge. Users should always know what data is being collected and what it is being collected for. This is the only way to empower users to decide what collection is legitimate and what isn't. Anything less is a sham. Third, the right to access. Companies should recognize that data belongs to users And we should all make it easy for users to get a copy of, correct, and delete their personal data. And fourth, the right to security. Security is foundational to trust and all other privacy rights. So this feels big. This feels really big. I'm not sure where Tim Cook got this particular formulation. I don't know if this is something he and Apple have come up with or if he's sort of reiterating something that's come about through some sort of consensus um, but these four, these four rights that he outlines here, uh, having the right to have your personal data be kept in as minimal form as possible, you know, the least amount of identification necessary, how their data is being used, uh, the right to access, the right to security, and, and like real usable security, and I assume things like encryption and so forth uh, play into that. I find this formulation to be really, really well thought out, very concise, very understandable. And I think this totally should be legislated. I mean, I'm not big on government bureaucracy and legislation and regulations and all that sort of thing. But I think we're at the point now, as our society has evolved and as technology has gotten increasingly powerful and also increasingly invasive, uh, I think we need government regulation around these privacy rights. So I applaud Tim Cook for this. I recommend you check out the link for additional information about what Tim Cook is saying. Um, And I think we should all stand behind Cook and any other tech companies, any other leaders, civic leaders, anyone who's promoting privacy, honestly and and forthrightly here uh, should be commended. I think we really need to get behind this as as a tech, as a web community. Speaking of privacy and security, the next link here is about Helm. Helm is a startup that is taking on Gmail with a server that runs in your home. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, the first time I heard about this, I kind of was scratching my head trying to figure out what's this for and why would anyone buy it. But when I read about it and did some research, I increasingly felt like this could actually be a pretty significant idea. Um, maybe not this particular form of it, maybe not this particular company. But the idea that somebody can just buy a little box, stick it in their house, connect it to their internet, and they have a personal server that can handle things like email. And I could see a lot more being handled uh, over time, but um, I, I, think, uh, I think there's something to this. Uh, something I've been doing more lately is hosting my own services. Uh, so instead of just relying on a generic cloud service, like say Dropbox for file sharing or iCloud Drive, Uh, I'm hosting my own file sharing service. So I use OwnCloud, which is open source. Um, There's sort of a fork of that called NextCloud that a lot of people like. Um, But I'm running this at a hosting company called DigitalOcean, So I have my own domain name with my own storage solution. And that's what I use for all my file sharing. So I have a bunch of files on one computer. I can get to them from my other computer. Everything synchronizes. I can access them through my iOS devices. All the kind of things you would use Dropbox for. You can even uh, create share links to share certain files with other people. Instead of just relying on a single vendor, on a single centralized provider like Dropbox, I'm hosting my own service. But the problem with that approach is it's really hard to get this stuff installed. I mean, I spent a bunch of time installing OwnCloud and configuring things and doing all this stuff. And once it's set up, it just works. I mean, if I were you know just an average user with no technical abilities, uh, using OwnCloud is no harder than using Dropbox. But getting it set up in the first place, that is complicated. So it got me thinking, you know... That and other various things I've, I've installed myself, you know, I'm, I've been thinking, I wish there was a way for, for average non-technical users to get good software, open source software, personal software, you know, set up in the cloud or in this case in a, in a little box in their house, little personal server, you know. I, I just wish there was a way for people to be able to get services that they host and control set up as easily as these centralized services. Because the benefits for security and privacy, and control, and supporting open source software, supporting small companies, you know, all these different things—it's uh, it, these are really important things. But you know, if it's only possible for geeks like me to <laughs> get this stuff installed and set up in the first place, uh, it's not really going to change everything in the long run. Um, so I'm really hoping that Helm and possibly uh, other other hosting companies in the cloud that, you know, create one-click installers and various other things like that. I hope we start to see a trend away from just relying on these single-source, centralized, huge conglomerate companies for all our internet services and towards uh, being able to, to use and host services that, that we, we have control over, that we have access to, and that we can... Uh, even even have running in our homes in this case and I think going after Gmail in particular is really a smart move here because of, of anything that a lot of people rely on for for daily usage daily communication uh, Gmail's big Gmail's is the elephant in the room and having a having a personal server re- be able to replace Gmail where you can have your own contacts and calendars and and your email and everything all running with your own secure certificate. Having that all usable by people and getting them off of Google services, uh, I think that's a really smart move. Uh, the price, though, that uh, that's that's the hurdle here. I don't know who's going to pay $500 to get a little box for their house. I mean, I could see them paying maybe 100 or a couple hundred. But 500 is a lot of money. So you know, I personally would not do this. I'm not sure I know anyone that would do this, um, but if there are some people out there who have money burning in their pocket and really want to get off of Gmail or some, some sort of uh, big corporate service like that uh, and use something that, that they own and control for their email and calendars and so forth, uh, you know, this might work. So I, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this space in the future. So that's it for today's show. Another episode of the Jared White Show in the can. So as always, you can go to jaredwhite.com slash podcast for information about this show, show notes of various episodes and so forth. You can subscribe to my email newsletter there. Just click the big follow button next to my picture. And of course, if you like this show, please write a review in the iTunes, excuse me, the Apple Podcasts directory. Uh, Write a review and let people know how you've been enjoying the show. And and please uh, share links with your friends on social media and elsewhere. Uh, It really helps us out here. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Joe, Jerry White